And it is now time to turn your attention to the Titantron, the number one wrestling podcast that gets you your information and gets you the hell out of here. Get ready, get set. We've got a great new episode for you here today. It's SummerSlam themed. I brought in Nick from the Universal Wrestling Podcast to talk. We had a great discussion about some SummerSlam predictions, and you're going to want to stick around for it. Plus, new segment called The Enhancement Talent. Highlights someone in the wrestling world who's doing great things to enhance the world of wrestling around them. John Corrigan is our guest today from the Wrestling Estate website. He's the founder of it, and he's going to talk about the website plus this new list of the top 100 wrestling matches of the past 50 years. So let's waste no more time and get into everything that you missed from the past week in under a minute or less. Let's go. Let's kick things off with potential news about WWE being sold, discussed by Nick Khan himself in a discussion on Recode Media Podcast. He states, And I quote, We're open for business. If somebody calls, we'll listen, but we're not active. Make of this all what you will. But I am of the belief that Vince isn't going to sell as long as he's in charge. Diana Perrazzo would like to tag team with Britt Baker in the future. In an interview with Busted Open, when asked about the potential match between the two, she states, And I quote, I'd rather us be a tag team and no one lose their belts. That's great and all, but I really want to see Impact vs. AEW and find out who the top woman in wrestling is right now. 2.0 has officially been signed to AEW. Tony Khan tweeted out the All Elite graphic on Thursday, and they won't be huge players in the tag team division, but they're a really solid comedy tag team that impressed me with their run in 205 Live. And finally, Vince McMahon reached out to Gable Stevenson personally about joining WWE. In an interview with The Sun, Gable states, And I quote, I haven't really thought about what's next. I could see Vince McMahon, who has reached out to me personally, to go out there to do WWE. Hey, unless he's okay with being the third man in Alpha Academy, probably not the best idea. But hey, that's just my opinion. So I got a question to start off this segment, and it's a pretty deep question if you're a wrestling fan. What is the greatest match of all time? Take a moment, think about it. Maybe you have a favorite already. Keep it in your head. Well, now, think about what the top 10 matches of all time are. Well, you know what? What are the top 25 matches? Uh, the top 50 matches? We're getting a little, a little intense here, but try to think of the top 100 matches of all time. It's nearly impossible. But that is exactly what John Corrigan, founder and editor-in-chief of The Wrestling Estate, challenged both his team and himself to come up with. Their latest list, the top 100 matches of the past 50 years, delves into 100 amazing matches, all the way from the 70s up until 2021. Everybody came up with their top 50 matches. And then we tried to uh, do, you know, add up, calculate where everything ranked, see who had the most points, you know, and you really got to see everybody's different tastes. John's always been interested in not only wrestling, but journalism. He's majored in the latter during college, and he's tried to find ways to tie in his two passions. The school newspaper was that outlet for him to do so. I've been watching wrestling for 21 years now, 
Um, and I've also was a journalism major at Temple University. And when I was at Temple, I was part of the student newspaper. And every year since freshman year, I would pitch a pro wrestling column. They thought it was too much of a niche. They, they thought it really didn't, you know, what does pro wrestling have to do with the school, with the school newspaper? My senior year, the editor-in-chief was a wrestling fan. So with his blessing, the arts and entertainment editor agreed, you know, do, do you think you'd have enough topics that, that would fit? I said, oh, you have no idea that there is so much to talk about. He did stories on the likes of Gabe Sapolsky, a graduate of Temple University, and Bill Apter, who lives not too far away from the college. After working with a friend on a website to continue pursuing wrestling journalism after college, the Wrestling Estate website was officially born in October of 2017. We focused primarily on the independent scene, especially in you know my area, Philadelphia, New Jersey, and Delaware, trying to branch out to New York a little bit. Um, but we also do, you know, we do a, a roundtable every Friday where we'll, we'll have a topic or questions or something like that. Everybody will give their opinion. We do the list. We do uh, a weekly podcast. We have uh, social media. We, we try to have everything. So many amazing matches in the past 50 years, but only 100 slots. Some undisputed, others more underrated. One of those in particular that John brought up in our discussion, Shawn Michaels, Shelton Benjamin from May of 2005. I was an ice cold match, all right? Both are faces. It's like in a tournament, so I guess it, there's some kind of stakes. But you are, you believe this is like a WrestleMania ending feud within the first five minutes. That's how Michael specifically can get you so wrapped up into a match like that. Michael's obviously appeared all over our list. And you know, with this being a SummerSlam-themed episode, I even got to test John's knowledge of his own list with one trivia question. What is the highest rated match on your top 100 list that took place at SummerSlam? I gotta go with, uh, and I think I voted this, is it Punk versus Lesnar? Ooh, that's actually the second highest list. The, the second, second highest. highest. Right, hold on. I'll give you All one right, more I chance. This. I got this. Hold the and Bret Hart. Bingo. John is an amazing wrestling journalist, enhancing the wrestling community by providing content not seen anywhere else. And you can check him and the rest of the Wrestling Estate team out over at thewrestlingestate.com or follow them on social media, where their handles will be in the description of this episode. We'll be right back after this. Drop by and visit the Turnbuckle Tavern, where every Thursday we give you the most in-depth analysis of all things AEW as well as dive into Impact Wrestling, NWA, and all things indie. If you like heated debates, compelling interviews, and a shot of nostalgia, you'll love the Turnbuckle Tavern. Available on Apple and Spotify. Drink it in. It always goes down smooth. All right, welcome back to the Titantron. Hope you're enjoying today's episode because we are about to get into our main event segment for the day. We've got SummerSlam tomorrow. It is a show that has a lot of interesting matchups. Cena Reigns, Rollins Edge, Bianca Sasha. And I wanted to sit down with Nick from the Universal Wrestling Podcast to talk all about the show. We had a great discussion. Hope you tune in for it and listen to our predictions. And uh, let's waste no more time. Let's hear what Nick had to say about SummerSlam. Let's go. 
Does it feel like it's SummerSlam to you? Because I, I don't feel like we have a pay-per-view coming up. Maybe, maybe that's just me, but what are you thinking? Yeah. You know what? I, I do feel like it's SummerSlam, but I think it's mainly because there's a, for me, I'm stoked for this pay-per-view because there's a lot of unknowns, you know, right. with Cena. Can he win, you know? And then could this be Goldberg's last match? Like, we don't know. So there's so many unknowns. And then obviously, Bianca and Banks, that's a match I'm looking forward to. But it does feel like SummerSlam to me. But yeah, there is, I see where you're coming from. There's something missing. I don't know what that is, but there is something. I think it's other factors that it's like, you know, everything happening behind the scenes with WWE, like you mentioned, CM Punk. I feel like I'm more excited yeah. for Rampage than I really am for SummerSlam. Um, exactly. You, you're bringing up a really good point that it's a lot of like uncertainty, which I think brings up a lot of the hype towards it, like, you know, Cena and uh, Orton and Goldberg. But the thing is, those are all like older part-time guys. Do you feel like that's an issue with SummerSlam is that they're relying too much on these older guys? You know, they are in all of your big matches. So what's your take on that with the part-timers and reliance on them? Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at it like Vince, big names, big stars, SummerSlam, big pay-per-view, it makes sense to me. And you know, it is what it is. I mean, Christian just won the world title. So is it really bad? Uh, Maybe certain guys like Goldberg, I'm not a big fan of, I didn't watch him back in WCW, but edge, I love it. So yeah, yes and no. As Vince McMahon, you know, looks at it, ratings, big names. Yes, I understand that. But for me, Goldberg, uh, I could do without. I mean, I love that you mentioned Edge because I feel like it's different with him almost because it feels like he's not really like a part-timer, even though he only does a few matches every now and then he puts on matches like he's like one of the top stars still. And, you know, that's going to be especially certain with Rollins because I don't know about you, but I feel like this is the match of the night that everyone's looking towards as like being the uh, uh, Dave Meltzer, I don't know if he'll give it five stars, but you know, like at least a four star match between these guys. Cause it's just so heavily anticipated to see Rollins and edge going up against each other with all their history and everything. Exactly. And I love this. I, I, you may not consider edge like you just discussed a, a uh, part-timer, which I don't think he is, but he's still a legend. He's still a hall of famer. And sometimes legends like Goldberg, they return They're inserted into the title picture. Nope, not with Edge. He's going one-on-one with Seth Rollins. It means nothing other than who's going to win this match. Will we see, you know, more of it? So that's what I love when legends, Hall of Famers, when they return, not to be in the title picture, to elevate other superstars. Not that Seth Rollins needs to be elevated, but it's still good to see, you know? Even though... You know, we talk about Edge and the part-timers and everything. I still feel yeah. like Edge is going to go over in this match um, just because the whole story with, uh, you know, Edge getting his revenge on Rollins. Uh, yeah. So I, I feel like Edge is going to take this one. What are you feeling? Like, do you think Rollins is going to take it or Edge? Yeah, I mean, either of them, they don't really necessarily need to win right. here. Yeah. So it's going to be great regardless. But yeah, I'm with you on this one. Edge, I kind of think he deserves it. You know, he did lose at WrestleMania. He did uh, lose against Randy in their, uh, I think they only had two matches. I'm hoping to see the third match soon. But regardless, yeah, I, I, I could see Edge winning here. And I think it would help with the storyline. And switching gears now to a kind of completely different angle, because, you know, we talked about the part-timers and everything and how they elevate the men's roster. But when you look at the women's roster, you know, they are kind of just focused in on their stars that they have right now. You know, I, I feel like it goes without saying that a lot of people are more looking forward to the SmackDown side of things than the Raw side. But I wanted to get your take on what do you feel about this whole Raw women's division? What do you feel is the biggest problem with the Raw women's side of things? 
Um, that is a good question. I, I, I think I'm going to go back to what I said in the beginning. I think it's just more people. I think it's more faces. I think it's more, you know, big stars. Again, Vince, big stars. Uh, Charlotte, yes, she's a big star, but we've seen her. She's won so many titles. I love it. Not a lot of fans do, but Becky Lynch, Asuka, people like that. And then, and then for SmackDown, I mean, I love what they're doing at SummerSlam. Rematch, Bianca Belair, can she step up? This is a big test for her because Sasha Banks is back. She's the best version of Sasha Banks, which is a heel. I really want to see Banks go over. So, uh, yeah, to continue that storyline. But back to Raw, missing, you know, names. I think it's Becky Lynch. I think it's Asuka. I think it's, you know, maybe somebody in NXT that needs to be called up. But, yeah, I think if we're going to say issues, I don't know if it's an issue. I think it's, again, uh, you know, not enough star power. So I guess that is an issue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree with you 100% on the SmackDown. And I really do want to see Sasha get that title back, you know, just to continue the story, because this is the biggest match that they could put on. And I feel like they want to drag this out a little bit more, uh, you know, let the story build up. And honestly, I'm going with Charlotte to win uh, this Raw Women's title too. I don't know. I mean, something is just putting me towards the idea that, they want her to still break Ric Flair's record. Uh, yeah. She even mentioned it. Uh, she mentioned that she was an 11 time champion. So once you, I think she planted the seed on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And uh, you know, then you have to look at it like Nikki, Nikki cross, everything that's going on with her. I don't really think it's that bad that as people are considering it to be, I think it's a, you know, yeah. a, a different demographic than the hardcore. There wrestling you go. Fans. Yep. It's more of a kid thing. And because it is that kind of thing and it's because it's PG or whatever. Now fans are kind of, you know, shitting on it, but you know, do you think it, it has to do with that. Do you think she's going to drop the belt because of the fan backlash? Yeah. I, and I said the same thing. I mean, Vince McMahon, we're going back to Vince. He has to cater to the PG, you know, audience, and that's going to be younger people. And, you know, when I was a fan back in the day, I loved hurricane Helms. I loved everything he stand. He stood for. So I dig it, but I'm 30. I don't want to see it. I understand what they're doing with Nikki cross. She brought it up. She brought it to the creative team. She brought the idea to Vince. And you know what? They went with it. I love Charlotte. I'm a huge Charlotte fan. But regardless, I just don't see her winning. I don't see Rhea winning either. I think they uh, they lost the titles, you know, a couple uh, months ago. Whenever they, you know, it, it's too early for them to win the titles. Basically, that's what I'm trying to say. So, no, I'm going to stick with Nikki here. The main event. You know, I think it's it's safe to say we're probably going to get Roman. We've already talked about a decade of Roman on the yeah. uh, on the the league. But what are yep. the odds of seeing Cena win the title? Because, you know, you also have to think Ric Flair just asked for his release. Vince is yep. petty and Cena's one title away from winning the 17th reign. So what are the odds that we see Cena win this Saturday? Yeah. I mean, who better than John Cena to break Ric Flair's record? And I'm not a huge Cena fan, and I'm not really a huge Ric Flair fan. I just think the legacy is uh, more towards, you know, Ric Flair because he's, you know, he's retired. He's done. He can't do anything else. But, you know, Cena, he can do other things, make a wish. He can win another title. He can do other things other than win that title. But it, it, like I said, big match, John. Who else other than John Cena? I think it's a possibility, but for me, you heard what I said on the on the podcast with the league. 
it's going to be a decade of Roman Reigns because I don't see anyone beating him. And if it's going, if he's going to be beat, it's going to be a jinx. It's going to be a fluke. It's going to be, you know, he has to take personal time. It's going to be something like that. I love the idea of John Cena being, you know, the poster boy of WWE, which I think he is now. So I don't honestly think he needs to break the record. But again, if anyone is going to do it, it's going to be John Cena. And of course, you can always listen to Nick over at the Universal Wrestling Podcast, his links will be in the description of this video or audio platform, wherever you listen to this. But we are going to wrap up today's episode with a brand new segment, a lot of new segments on today's episode, called Tony's Final Thoughts. Uh, just some quick off-the-cuff thoughts, uh, no script needed, that will hold us over until next week's episode. So, a lot of controversy about Roman Reigns' comments uh, that uh, CM Punk wasn't as big of a draw as The Rock or big of a star as Cena. So there's different ways that you could look at this, and of course, as wrestling fans, we're only sticking to one way and not branching out to any different way because that's that's what we are. That's our bias. So l- allow me to allow you to look at different angles of this. So to be a draw in wrestling, at least in my opinion, you can correct me if I'm wrong, is to bring in the casual fans. Uh, a la Hogan or Austin or Rock, you know, whoever. The only draws in 2021 wrestling that I could say for certain are bringing in casual fans are Rock and Cena. That's it. You know, they, people will watch wrestling because they are on the show. Um, you know, they are uh, movie stars. They're mainstream. They're pop culture icons. Cena, Rock are the only guys that fit that mold. However, that's a draw for the casual fan. You can also be a draw for the mainstream audience. That's exactly what's going to happen tonight at Rampage when CM Punk comes out. If CM Punk comes out, it's basically confirmed, but, you know, um, that's good. That's what it's going to be. You know, AEW has a very uh, hardcore fan base, and a lot of people are going to be tuning into that because CM Punk is on the show. I expect AEW to get one of their biggest ratings uh, based on Punk alone. Um, you know, I don't know what that'll be, but it'll definitely be over a million. We, we gotta just imagine that it's going to be, uh, based on all this hype. So, uh, you know, that's the draw end of it. However, to say that Punk isn't a bona fide star is just blasphemous. It's blasphemy, if I could steal a line from Stephen A. Look, Punk is going to do some amazing things in AEW. He's gonna be a impact player right from the start. He is going to be a ground shaker a uh, landscape shifter, whatever you want to call it, he's going to make an impact. And to say otherwise is ridiculous. Folks, that's it for today's episode. We are going to wrap things up because you have a lot of wrestling to get to this weekend, and I don't want to hold you any longer. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a like if you're listening on YouTube. Share this wherever you can share it on your social medias, and tag me because I'm over on Instagram at the Titantron Podcast on Twitter at the underscore TitanTron. And, you know, leave a good review. Leave me a good review. It goes a long way. And we have some new merch over at the TitantronPodcast.creator-spring.com. It's a new Titan, Titan, Titan collection. And I guarantee you, it's some pretty dope merch. So go ahead and check it out. Folks, that's it for me. Enjoy wrestling this weekend. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan. But until then, take care.